Hello there, this is Robert Fleming, one of the partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. And with me is Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, one of the other partners. Elizabeth, welcome back to Elder Law Issues. Thanks for having me, Robert. Uh, it's like a special invitation. It's you and me almost every time as we talk about elder law issues on this on this podcast. And by the way, we really encourage people sending us questions. Um, we love to talk about the things that people ask us about. And sometimes even if we've already covered a topic, we like to, uh, to revisit it in the way that the question comes in. That's kind of the case, Elizabeth, today. Uh, we have a series of questions about special needs trusts particularly. And I think I can say up front that most of the answers to these questions will not depend on whether it's a special needs trust or a regular trust. They're going to be the same kinds of answers. But you can see how some of them are, seem particularly uh, important questions for special needs trusts. So one of our listeners says, okay, this, this special needs trust or any trust was formed in, let's say, Maryland. Uh, by formed, let's guess that that means that the person whose money went into the trust, and let's just call that person, I don't know, let's call him mom. Mom lived in Maryland when she established a trust for the benefit of a beneficiary who has special needs. And the person who is writing to us lives in Arizona and is the trustee. And the beneficiary lives in Pennsylvania. What state law governs how that trust is administered? It's a great question, Robert. So the first thing that I would look at would not be the provision in the trust that points to a state. Because most of the time, you're going to find a provision in the trust that says the terms of this trust should be administered pursuant to X state. Now, And, and usually the state where it was written. Correct. So in, in the facts that I've given... Let's guess that there's a provision in the trust that says this trust will be interpreted according to the laws of Maryland. So, Robert, it's helpful to have those provisions. It's important. They shouldn't be disregarded. But that is not necessarily the answer to this question. We would look at where the beneficiary lives or beneficiaries and also look at where the trustee lives. The governing law would not necessarily be the place where mom was when she created the trust. So if we look at the administration of the trust and some of the rules regarding the administration, I'd be looking for where the trustee lives. There are other questions that arise sometimes related to things like accountings or the requirements that the trustee must follow based on where the beneficiary may be. So let's just say to your fact scenario, in the state where the beneficiary lived, there were certain accounting rules for trusts. Well, those rules might not be the same as where the trustee lives. In that particular case, the trustee would be smart to try and cover all the bases because you're also dealing with the law where the beneficiary lives, not just where the trustee is administering the estate. And the law where the beneficiary lives is particularly important in special needs trusts because it's often not a question of how the trust is administered, or I mean to say not, not controlling how the trust is administered, but how the, what effect that has on the beneficiary's eligibility for continued public benefits, like Medicaid in Pennsylvania, for instance, and because we've said that our beneficiary in this story lives in Pennsylvania. Well, if the trustee lives in Arizona and applies Arizona Medicaid rules to the distribution, that could foul up the beneficiary's Pennsylvania Medicaid eligibility because their rules are different. 
They're not probably wildly different, but they're going to be different enough that there might be some kinds of negative effects. So obviously, our imaginary Arizona trustee is going to have to pay some attention to Pennsylvania law. They probably need to pay a little attention to Maryland law. But I think, Elizabeth, what you're saying is 90%, and I just made that percentage up, but a very large portion of their concern will be Arizona law, even though mom may never have set foot in Arizona. And the terms of the trust may point to Maryland law. That's correct. And I think that when we work with people, Robert, the most important thing, particularly when we're working with trustees, is to make sure that if you have a beneficiary or beneficiaries living in other states, that you do retain counsel. You have an attorney that you can call in that state who can tell you the ways in which the rules around things like accountings or distributions or Medicaid rules may differ. It's really important for the trustee to have some background, as you've mentioned, regarding the laws in these other states where he or she may be administering a trust. While the administration happens where the trustee is, remember that the beneficiary is going to be impacted by the administration. Many cases, people do ask, can the beneficiary consent, provide consent to, let's just say, agreeing that the terms of the trust should be administered pursuant to Arizona law in our example? The answer is yes. However, sometimes situations arise, particularly with remainder beneficiaries, where that consent is not going to be forever and ever and ever. So the trustee shouldn't take too much comfort if you have a beneficiary who today says, sure, we'll follow Arizona law, but tomorrow says, hey, I just lost my Medicaid benefits. Right. Among lawyers who deal with multi-state issues a lot, we often uh, tease out different roles. There's a question of jurisdiction, there's a question of situs, and there's a question of governing, governing law, at least those three. Jurisdiction means where could you sue the trustee? Could a Maryland court get control over the trustee who lives in Arizona? Well, the general law is no, even though the document says this will be governed by Maryland law, you have to get jurisdiction over the trustee in order to sue them. So that jurisdiction probably is in Arizona. Citus is about where the trust is administered and might have an effect on how much income tax the trust pays or which states it pays the, the income tax to. Does Maryland still get an income tax payment? because Maryland law is, is supposed to govern? Probably not if there's no other connection to Maryland, although some states try to impose an income tax if the trust ever had a home in their state. Uh, and, uh, and governing law, well, that's where we really look at that provision that says the, the law of the state of Maryland will apply because the court in Arizona that is interpreting the, the, the language of the trust may well try to apply Maryland law because the trust told them to, but it'll be an Arizona court that's trying to figure out Maryland law. It may not make a lot of sense to, to lay people, but, uh, but most often when we say where a trust lives, we think the trust lives where its trustee lives. And Robert, we have to, in your particular example, slow down and consider what it means if there is a court involved because that really can change the game too in terms of lending support to where the trust would be administered. So for instance, in this example, because the court in Arizona was working on this case, was making recommendations, even if they were 
making recommendations or interpreting Maryland law. Just the nature of the fact that the Arizona court is involved is really significant. And, and I, you know, I made a, the assumption that the trustee would not like to be in court, and so somebody would have to sue them in order to get jurisdiction over them. It might be that a trustee wants to be in court. So if our Arizona trustee wanted to file an accounting in Maryland because the the law firm that prepared the trust was in Maryland and the trust says it should be governed by Maryland law and there's some advantage to going to Maryland, well, that doesn't stop the Arizona trustee from from submitting the trust to the courts of, of Maryland. If the Pennsylvania beneficiary sues in Pennsylvania, the Arizona trustee might say, I'm okay with that. I will allow the, the Pennsylvania courts to, to assert jurisdiction over the trust, um, but might not as well. So, gosh, it can be a complicated question. I, I really smile inwardly whenever somebody says to me, I have a Nevada trust, because I'm almost certain that after I tease out what they mean by a trust of a particular state, I'm probably going to disagree with them. Well, Robert, I think this is an area where people are confused, attorneys are confused, CPAs are confused, wealth advisors are confused. I often find this area one where there's real ripe territory for in-depth discussion. And what I would tell people is it's really important to make sure if you are a trustee or advising a trustee that you have your working team, which includes your CPA weigh in on these issues because it's incredibly confusing for a trustee if you provide advice and input about what state law governs the administration of the trust and then the next the next time they're talking to their CPA, their CPA have a very different interpretation. So Robert, I think that's one thing that we, we try and encourage our clients right away here in Arizona. If you've got a CPA who you're currently working with, any kind of tax planning advisor, let's include that person in this discussion because we don't want to have two different, two different bodies of advice for that trustee. Right. This can be so complicated. And it can change if the beneficiary or the trustee moves or if there are multiple trustees, or if you change trustees. So even if you have figured out what court uh, applies and what set of laws apply, um, it can change on a moment's notice. So um, talk, to your, talk to your local lawyer about, uh, about what they think. Um, and um, the fact that they're your local lawyer is probably going to indicate that they're the ones who can give the best advice, especially if you are the trustee. Enough about this confusing area, Elizabeth. Thanks, Robert. I learned a lot today, and I hope our listeners take this into consideration when they're looking at those provisions around governing law and the trust that they may be administering. So we hope you'll all join us next week for our next episode of Elder Law Issues. I'm Robert Fleming, and I've been chatting with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We are two of the partners at Fleming & Curdy PLC, a Tucson, Arizona elder law firm, We hope to have you join us next time as well.